0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Get about it. We are live on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Saturday, July 22nd. My name is Chris Crawford. With me today is my buddy Drew Silva. Uh, We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff today, Uh, a lot of it pigeoning. We're going to be talking about some young hurlers on the rise that we really like for the second half of the 2023 season, and of course, long-term, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but also going over some Cy Young odds. But first, got to do some headlines, and there's a lot of call-ups to talk about, and not long before we started recording, it was announced that Sal Frelick is going to be joining the Milwaukee Brewers, Frelick, one of the best prospects in Not just the Milwaukee system, but widely considered one of the best outfield prospects in baseball. You're going to take a look at the numbers and wondering what the heck you're talking about, Christopher Vincent Crawford. But here's what I'll tell you. This is a guy who missed a lot of time with a thumb injury. And when he's at his best, this is a player with a 70 hit tool, 70 speed. And what's really going to help the Brewers and a little bit fantasy managers, because it's going to put him in the lineup, is he's a terrific defensive player. He can go get it. Uh, now they get a chance to move Joey Weimer into right field. I'll just ask you, Drew, is Salford like somebody that you're considering rostering in 2023?
2: You, you, the the talent comes out far more in in what he did in two thousand twenty one, two thousand twenty two, like his right. his first foray into pro ball. Like last year, a three thirty one average, eight eighty three OPS, uh, and five hundred fifty seven plate appearances between high A, double AA, A, triple A. Rose really fast through the Brewers system with that hit tool. Um, he's got some speed. I, I don't yeah. think the power is quite there yet. No. Um, I mean, the numbers this year have not been good. I mean, you explained it. There, there've been some injury issues. He's, I I don't think he's someone I I would rush out to get. I I think he's a really like well-rounded, competent hitter. Doesn't strike out much, um, is going to make a lot of contact and use that speed. Well, but and and Hey, and that Brewers lineup, we've talked about how underwhelming that Brewers lineup usually is on a night to night, day-to-day basis. If he's hitting at the top of the lineup and using that speed, I could see him, you know, taking on like mixed league mixed league fantasy value, but he's not someone I would like overspend on. I don't think he's quite there yet to the point where he's going to be like a a ready-made significant fantasy contributor. So I kind of go back and
1: forth on this. I, I I think I would be adding him and only because of the fact hmm. that I think that he has a chance to help in three categories. I think he can help in average. I think he can help in stolen bases and I think he can help in runs. Just for some context here, like again, he missed a bunch of time with the thumb injury and I wonder if it was bothering him a little bit before and maybe a little bit after. But last year in 46 games with Nashville, this dude hit 365, 435, 508. like there's no question about like the talent here. There's some ups and downs. If, you, if you're if playing in a slugging percentage league type of thing, he might hurt you a little bit more than he helps right. you. Um, And I don't think the counting stats are going to be there for homers and RBIs. But I do think that stolen bases are going to happen. I'll be curious to see where he's hitting in the lineup. I don't think hitting in the bottom is so bad. Hitting behind Christian Yelich this year is not such a bad thing if he's hitting eighth or ninth. It's a little bit of a risky one, but especially if you need help in that stolen base category or maybe looking for a little bit of a uh, uptick that in average. average. But, yeah, I think Frelick yeah. is somebody that I would consider targeting. Uh, a couple of pitchers are going to be making their debuts pretty soon, too, Drubert. Um, let's talk about uh, Jackson Wolf making his debut for the Padres.
2: Yeah, that's coming up on on Saturday night. He's getting the call for the Padres at Detroit. Twenty-four-year-old uh, left-hander. He was a fourth-round selection in the 2021 draft out of West Virginia. Just the 16th-ranked prospect in the prod in the Padres system right now on MLB Pipeline. Uh, didn't have a great ERA last year in his first full professional season. That ERA was 4.37 in 25 mm-hmm. outings between High A Fort Wayne and Double A San Antonio. Uh, but he struck out 142 batters in 129 innings last year. He's lowered that ERA this year while repeating at double A, a 3.39 mark through 17 starts, 104 strikeouts in 85 innings, only 20 walks, which is super encouraging. You know, it's a leap going from double A to the Padres major league rotation, but we've seen that with, with some high level pitching prospects in, in modern baseball. It's not that crazy of a jump. Um, and the Tigers' offense is terrible. That's going to be his first matchup. They're very ne- near the bottom of the MLB team rankings and OPS and a, a bunch of other offensive categories. Um, Wolf might get multiple starts, too, uh, if Michael Waka is out for a while. The Padres have an off day next week and, and can roll with a four-man rotation, so maybe he gets sent right back down immediately. Um, but Waka's battling these shoulder concerns like – Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, it's been a lingering issue for him throughout his career, really, or like at least in the last several years. Um, So Wolf maybe has an opportunity to impress and carve out like a a real role potentially in that Padres Mm -hmm. rotation. I think I'd stream him against the Tigers if people are listening to this live. That that game starts, I think, around 6 p.m. local time. Um and, and and you know see we see how he how he pitches against the Tigers, which is kind of a double A lineup anyway, and and what happens from there. You have to love the strides that he's taken with the command, and while still man, maintaining a, a lofty strikeout rate, he looks like he could pe- be a pretty good one for the Padres.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting name to keep an eye on for sure, and an arm that a lot of people liked in his draft class, and you know a bit of a slow developer, but I think that he's made some strides this year, and. Uh, friendly matchup going up against that uh, Detroit lineup for sure. Uh, Another guy who's going to be going up against making his MLB debut. And it's funny. You mentioned uh, Wolf being ranked 16th in the prospect pipeline. You're not going to find Alan Winans ranked anywhere, but He has been very good this year for Triple A Gwinnett and is going to make his MLB debut against Frelick in Milwaukee. Uh, Winin so far this year in 18 games, 13 of those starts with Triple A Gwinnett has a 2.81 ERA, an 89 to 25 strikeout to walk ratio, over 102 thirds innings. Uh, A really interesting story. This guy was a 17th round pick out of Campbell University. Yes, it's a university, not just a soup. Uh, Actually been to a lot of games down there because uh, when I lived in Virginia, they, they, they play a decent quality of baseball. And there's been some quality prospects that have come out of the Big South from there. Was a Rule 5 draft pick by Atlanta, but not the Rule 5 you're thinking of. It's the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. He's an interesting story, and I think it's it's fun. He is not someone I'd be looking to stream. This is a guy who barely gets his fastball over 90 miles per hour. This is not a person with elite secondary stuff. He does have good command, and that will certainly help. I would be willing to take a, a look at him, you know, like just see what happens here. But I wouldn't be shocked if this is a one-off, and I, I'm sorry to be a velocity, you know what, a snob. That's what we'll call it, a velocity snob. You got to throw hard in this league. It's very hard to get away with not throwing hard in this league. And unless your command is elite, unless you are just pinpoint with where you want the ball to go, not just throwing strikes, but throwing strikes where you want to go, it's very hard to have success in Major League Baseball.
2: I I agree. This is probably just a, a little stopgap start for him. Right. Uh, Max Freed should be back. I think he got up to 65 pitches in his latest rehab start on Friday Correct. at Triple League. Gwinnett. Maybe they have him make one more, but um, a- AJ Smith Shaver is an option. He's not been great at, at AAA since they sent him back down. But Atlanta has some some people they can they can throw at that spot um, until Freed is ready. And there is a good chance that Freed comes back next Wednesday at Boston. Um, I'm kind of expecting that. So yeah, I, I w- he's not a guy that I would be rushing out to to grab or even even stream. Um, some, a couple of injury notes before we get into this big pitching discussion, uh, Corey Seager suffered a right thumb sprain on a slide into second base on Friday night against the Dodgers. He's not in the Rangers lineup Saturday, uh, but they haven't placed him on the injured list yet, which is a positive x-rays were negative for any structural damage. So maybe it will turn out to just be, a minor blip. Um, When healthy this season, Seager has legitimately been one of the very best hitters in all of baseball, a 350 batting average, 1044 OPS. He had his 15th homer of the year Friday before exiting up to 58 RBIs through 66 games. Um, It seems possible, like uh, maybe even probable that he's also held out of Sunday's series finale against Los Angeles. But uh, hopefully he can safely be pl- plugged back into fantasy lineups leading into next week. A thumb sprain, it sounds bad, uh, but there are you know varying degrees of of how bad an injury it is and and for now, it seems like the Rangers don't think it's anything gonna it be anything more than just a day-to-day situation. We've seen thumb sprains cost position players several weeks in the past, but um I'd say it's an encouraging sign that the Rangers did not just go ahead and and IL him before Saturday's game. It seems like they're expecting that he'll be all right.
1: Yeah, here's hoping because Corey Seeker's just one of my favorite players to watch in baseball. That swing is so pretty, can do everything on the field. Underrated defensive player. Everybody keeps waiting. When the heck is this guy going to move to third base? And he just turns out to be totally fine there. He's not quite as good as the guy that I'm going to talk about, though. Uh, Dansby Swanson. Uh, Dansby Swanson has missed some time with uh Drew. Remind me what that injury was with Dansby Swanson again Um, because my page just... uh died on me that's that's just it's right. fine dance Swanson's coming back and that's the important thing here uh has after citing a massive contract uh hit it hit not great numbers 258 343 409 but there have been some real flashes there has provided 10 homers so it's been nice to see some pop from that shortstop position big thing here is the defensive uh bump that you're going to get for the Cubs. Like this is one of the elite defensive players in baseball, already a 1.4 defensive war in just 83 games, according to baseball reference. You know, if somebody dropped Swanson in a league because they were impatient, I think he'd be somebody I'd be looking to roster, especially as like a middle infield option, a little bit of a bump in on-base percentage leagues. A little bit of a tick against things where his walks don't help you. Uh, His approach that they played has really improved this year. His career high in walks is 59. If not for the injury, he was going to crush that. He's walked already 40 times in 83 games, which puts him right around a pace of around 75 to 80 walks. Now, he's also struck out 84 times, which is going to be close to not really a career high, but puts him on – the. Dansby Swanson strikes out an awful lot. You take the bitter and the better with there. But, you know, Danzby Swanson, not a fantasy superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but somebody I'd like in my roster as my middle infielder or certainly would like as, like, a le- nice little bench option.
2: Uh, yeah, it was a bruised heel, I I remember now. and That's right. He, like, hit – he. It, it had kind of been a lingering thing, and then he, like, landed awkwardly on first base uh, before the all-star break, like, at the beginning mm-hmm. of July, and, and that's what prompted them to place him on – the IL he hasn't run as much this year. I mean, he, he had 18 steals last year with Atlanta. Um, and you were thinking with the bigger bags, maybe this is yeah. gonna be a 20 stolen base, possibly 20 homer shortstop. Um, I think he's gonna miss on both of those targets, yes. uh, par- partly due to to missing some time. Um, but yeah, he's he's kind of a borderline shortstop in a standard league, and you kind of know what you're getting with him. I, I, I I love him defensively. I was surprised that when the Cubs wanted to spend this winter, that that was the direction they went. I feel like, you know, we've seen ups and downs with him. I don't think the offensive upside is like you know it's probably what he did you know in parts of two thousand twenty one two thousand twenty two. I right. don't think he's gonna like s- suddenly be a thirty homer hitter. Um, and and fantasy you want the stolen bases to be there. They haven't really been there this year, and with the heel acting up like maybe it's still something he's gonna have to manage i don't see him like running a ton down the stretch either but um yeah he's shown better plate skills and hopefully it will at least get you some homers and some rbis and some run score the rest of the way
1: and let's not forget danis swanson's dad's name is cooter and if you are going to roster mm-hmm. somebody that's as good a reason as any uh we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of pitching stuff but first we are going to take a quick commercial break So we know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index of 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month, and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Okay, so let's talk about some starters. We're going to talk about the young guys that we're really confident on contributing this, not just in 2023, uh, but long-term as well, but really focusing on these young arms that we really like. Uh, Drew, uh, just to start, I've seen so much good young pitching this year. It's been kind of crazy. Like We've seen some good arms come up in 2021 and 2022, Spencer Strider, who we'll be talking about a little bit, Um, some good stuff. But the quantity and quality in 2023 has been kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, there have been like useful, you know, young starters coming up every week. And we're not used to that as as people that write and play fantasy baseball. Um, so it's cool to see. I mean, I, the, you know, the, the MLB I- implemented these rule changes to try to make the game a little more hitter friendly uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, strikeouts are <laughs> trending toward an all-time record. Um, I guess there's been a little more contact. The pace of play is better. But we talked about this a few weeks ago. I I, I think the pitchers have figured out how to use the pitch clock to their advantage to really like lock a batter into an in at bat. Um, and and I, I, there's just a lot of arm talent, you know, coming up through the minors and and even guys that like aren't we're never like the top 100 prospects have come up mm-hmm. and, and been in impactful major league starters. So it's nice to get some new blood. I, I feel like when I was making out my, my list for, for this like theme that we were going to do for the show, I was like, there's a lot of names here that I bet my, you know, parents who like baseball and watch baseball, they watch mostly the Cardinals I've never heard of. Like, sure. Um, But are are guys that are like making real, not just my parents, but like a casual sports fan has probably never heard of that have you know taken real strides and and um and are providing useful fantasy production and i i think we'll continue to do that down the stretch um you want me to start with with my sure. first pitcher on the rise and I, I tried you. to go a, a, yeah a little bit off the beaten path like we're not gonna say spencer striders you know a pitcher on the rise i think that's yeah i think that's been I think we all, we all agree that he's pretty good. Um, yeah. But Gavin Williams is up there on my list. Uh, mm-hmm. Gavin Williams turned in another pretty good outing Friday and the guardians win over the Phillies. He did issue four walks. Um, also had four walks last time out against the Rangers, but. And that limited him, it limited him to four innings on Friday, but four innings of one run ball. Now showing a 3.74 ERA with 26 strikeouts through his first 33 and two third major league innings. And. If you remove his Major League debut, which was back on June 21st, which was a bit of a clunker, um, he has a 3.21 ERA so far. Uh, The command has not been as great as we would have liked for Williams so far. It was something he was still working on in the minors before the Guardians called him up. But those same minor league numbers tell me he's going to be more of a strikeouts compiler moving forward. 81 Ks in 60 and a third innings this season on the farm prior to to his June promotion. Um, He's got the built-up workload, too, which, you know, to keep pitching deep into the season, unlike some other young pitchers of, like, his same variety, uh, Williams was the 23rd overall pick in the 2021 draft out of East Carolina, ascended quickly through the the Guardian system with a 2.10 ERA and 230 strikeouts. In 175 and a third career minor league innings, uh, he's a big dude at six foot six, listed at 250 pounds. He throws a high 90s fastball, really good changeup. Um, he pitched into the seventh inning earlier this month against Atlanta, which is maybe the best lineup in baseball. I think Gavin Williams is, is just going to get better and better in future seasons, especially if he reigns in that command. But also down the stretch here in in 2023, I've seen enough uh, enough flashes to where he can be. Someone you plug in every start in a fantasy lineup. He gets the Royals next. That's very tasty. Um, There've been Garrett Cole comps with Gavin Williams, and I know you hate comps, Chris. Um, Mm -hmm. And their deliveries are very similar. Like if you put them back to back, it does look pretty similar. That easy effort kind of thing. Uh, But I I just say that that works. That's going to really work for well for Gavin Williams long term in. You know, continuing to to grow into a pitcher that can show better command, that has this swing and miss stuff, um, and, and can stay durable, hopefully. You never know with pitchers, but it seems like he he doesn't put too much stress on his arm uh the way he throws the ball. Let's pump the brakes on the, the Garrett Cole comps probably. But yeah, I'm I'm very high on, on Gavin Williams upside, not only long term, but I think over these final two months, he can be really effective.
1: Yeah, I like Gavin Williams. By the way, for those watching, my headphones literally just died. I'm glad that I could just move over to the uh, speaker uh, system on my computer. What can you do? Um, Somebody asked this question, so I'm going to change my order a little bit. By the way, I love Gavin Williams, but I hate that comp so much. Why are we comparing Star? I know. know. Uh, But I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs) It's very interesting. And if you watch them pitch, there's a similarity, too. I'm sure there's been a bunch of... pitching ninja guys who have shown a bunch of stuff overlays and, yeah, yeah overlays and stuff like that it's it's very similar uh but since somebody asked is Andre Munoz a drop right now Andre Munoz is somebody I was going to bring up anyway I think on the contrary I'm a big fan look I'm a Seattle Mariner guy so I get to watch him play an awful lot but I like a lot of things about Andre Munoz number one the fact that he throws as hard as anybody in baseball is certainly something to like and number two that he has a wipeout slider But here's one of the reasons why I really like Andre Munoz for the rest of 2023. I'm not sure Paul Seawald is going to be a Mariner for the rest of 2023. Uh, It is a seller's market for relievers right now. And the Mariners are still in this thing, but maybe not so much in this thing in a week or so. There's a lot of teams ahead of them right now. And Paul Seawald is going to be somebody that they can get a pretty penny for, I think, and sell high on for a guy who is a good pitcher, but probably not part of their long-term core, even though he's one of the more popular players. But let's just talk about Munoz. Let's look at what he did in 2022, just for a second. He had an expected batting average of 163. He had an expected slugging of 241. He had an expected ERA of 1.84. Now his strikeouts are down a little bit this year. He's only striking out 36.3% of batters. Isn't that funny to say only striking out 36.3% of batters? It's insane how great this guy is at missing bats. Uh, hard hit percentage is well and within line. Now, look, his numbers are a little off this year, in part because he missed a bunch of time and he had one absolute blow up start or excuse me, one blow up relief inning uh, to be fun to watch Andre Munoz start, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> if anybody could do it, it's the Seattle Mariner pitching development team right now, but I do not expect to see. Uh, actually, Cleveland would be the other one. Can you imagine Andre Munoz, Cleveland system? That'd be fun. Uh, Anyway, Andre Munoz is a guy that I think is going to get a lot of save chances down the stretch, even if Paul Seawald is there and just the rates, folks like Andre Munoz is going to miss a ton of bats. He's going to get a chance. If you play in a hold leak, he's going to be. I just wanted to spotlight him because I think he's got kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit like we were talking about him being like one of the best relievers in baseball not that long ago. Because of the injury and the missed time, I think people kind of forgot about how good this guy is. Andre Munoz isn't somebody I'd be dropping. Andre Munoz is somebody that I'd be looking to roster as soon as possible.
2: While we're on the topic of the Mariners bullpen, so I just like happened to to have been watching a lot of Matt Brash. Yeah. Like recently, you got to feel good about what you've seen from him, right? Like, oh yeah. I mean, there's there? Is he fully in a bullpen role yeah. now? Like, does is that well, better? or is there a chance that he gets? I I love I've just loved his stuff, yes, since he came up.
1: Because he has the stuff to start, like the fastball slider, and he'll show occasionally doesn't do it now, but occasionally is shown a third pitch. So, what happened with brash is they were talking about lengthening him and giving him a chance to compete for a starting spot. It was never gonna happen because if you remember, the Seattle Mariner rotation was as full as anybody else, but then Brash went to the world baseball classic and the Mariners kind of said, all right, if you're going to go do this, we're going to keep you in relief because it doesn't give us the chance to really develop you Mm -hmm. into, but that dude's stuff. I think his stuff might be better than Andre Munoz. Like his fastball slider combination. That slider is The reason 80 grades exist, if you just watch him pitch and you see it's a 92 mile per hour frisbee that you have no shot at hitting. And sometimes he'll take a little bit off of it and make it more of a knuckle curvish type of pitch that can also be pretty darn effective. But it's been more sweeper, 92 mile per hour sweepers. The world is just crazy right now, Drew Silva. But yeah, Matt Brash is absolutely somebody I like a lot. And if he I got, just, that I wish he could get price.
2: into, yeah, I wish he yeah. could get into like a fantasy relevant role. So maybe yes. he'll get some saves down the stretch. Yeah, there you
1: possible. go. If, if Paul Seawalt was gone, I could definitely see them giving Brash a chance. It's funny. Um, if you take a look, his numbers are extremely misleading for a very long time. And Drew, I'm talking a long time, like 40 to 45% into the season. He had a batting average of balls in play above 500. Mm-hmm. So his his numbers were extremely inflated. That ERA of three point three doesn't come close to tell you how good Brash has been.
2: No, he's been and he's been on a dominant run lately. Yeah. Like uh, and and it looks the part too. Yes, I I I, sure. I I I love him, and I I wish that he'd get some. Yeah, just I wish he'd, he he he. I mean, I'm with the strikeouts. I guess alone, he yeah. could have some value if you're playing in like a deep a deeper league and. I, I don't I don't I don't think he's a bad pickup speculative ad in case no. they trade Paul Sibold. Yeah. Great call. Thank you. You're welcome. My up now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tyrick um is going to be my next one, and yeah, finally joined the Tigers' rotation in early July after completing his recovery from it was flexor tendon surgery last August, and the initial returns with Scouble were awesome. Eight total scoreless innings through his first two starts, 11 strikeouts in that span, only two hits and two walks over those eight innings as well. Um, That all followed a a very promising five-start minor league rehab assignment where he had an ERA, like I think it was 1.29, with a bunch of strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Then he ran into the absolute buzzsaw that is the Kansas City Royals in his third major league start of the year this past Tuesday, gave up seven earned runs over four innings in that one, um, there was talk after the game that he might've been tipping his pitches. You know, that's kind of a common refrain after any bad outing, but who knows a guy that missed a lot of time, maybe he, you know, wasn't thinking about his mechanics well enough to hide the ball or something, but, um, but looking beyond that rough outing against Kansas city, the changes that Schubel made coming out of surgery have all made me like very optimistic about what we're going to see the rest of the way from him what kind of starter he can be moving forward in his career. I mean, he's only 26 years old. He had some some flashes uh, when he first came up to the Tigers. The fastball velocity is up a couple of ticks from where it was pre-surgery. I think he's averaging like 96.5 miles per hour with it right now, and it it was under 95 uh, before the surgery. His slider usage is up, and it's a really effective slider. He also has a solid changeup that he can throw there, too. Um, He had tremendous strikeout totals all through the minors and school's healthy now uh, with no limitations over the final two months of the regular season. They want to probably increase his innings as much as possible. Um, He could be a trade candidate too. I I, kind of doubt the Tigers would want to be selling low since he hasn't pitched much in 2023, but you could see a contender falling in love with, you know, the new profile and, and the overall upside. So we'll see on that. I think the Tigers should be, falling in love with him and just keeping him. Cause it's not like he's expensive at the moment. No, um, Yeah. Looks like scuba will get the Padres on Sunday. That'll be an interesting matchup. Marlins next week. That's assuming he does remain with Detroit through the trade deadline. And I feel like he will, but I, I just, I love, I love what I've seen. I love the changes that he made um, during that rehab and the results outside of that one start this past week have been really good. And I think, I think he can be an effective fantasy starter um, over these final two months.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter of putting it together more consistently. Like this was a legitimate top five starting pitching prospect not that long ago and has shown more than enough flashes to say, oh, I understand why that exists. I understand why people were so high on this guy. It just has to do it on a more consistent basis. Every time I think of Scoobo, I can't help but think of Casey Mize. I sure hope we get a chance to see him again at In some point, but it's... Uh, you Matt know, Manning, it's, there's a lot of Ma- Oh, yeah, there's... A, <laughs> Manning, Scoobal, and Mize in terms of talent that competes with a lot of people. Um, now about that lineup, no, we're not going to talk about that Detroit Tiger really? lineup today. Uh, good one to stream against, as we mentioned earlier, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna just continue my backwards trend and talk about uh, another reliever. And it's another reliever who doesn't get a lot of save chances, but I'd be rostering Yenny Air Cano if you can, man. I know that this is not the typical uh. Felix Bautista is going to get the overwhelming majority of save chances. But you just take a look at what Cano has done as a 29-year-old, by the way, who doesn't quite fit the youth that we're talking about. But he has a 1.53 ERA. And most impressive to me is that he's in the 99th percentile in walk rate, Drew, as basically a rookie reliever. Let's Let's be honest. This is basically a rookie reliever who is doing this. And he, but you take a look at some of the other numbers, 93rd and expected ERA, uh, 85th and expected slugging. He's excellent at avoiding barrels. He gets pitchers, he gets hitters, excuse me, thank goodness he does not we don't have to watch pitchers hit against him. He gets hitters to swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. He has a strong fastball. He has a 91 mile per hour changeup that can make people look silly. And the, a slider is not bad. He probably needs to throw that pitch actually a little bit more in my personal opinion, but He has the arsenal for success and he's shown it this year. Like the thing that's nice about Cano is, is that he is a guy who can give you not elite strikeout totals, but he can certainly help there. He's going to help you in ERA and he's going to help you in whip. He is going to have clean innings. He is not going to issue any self-inflicted damage. And if you're looking for help in that category and look Drew, at this point of the season, it's kind of time to start targeting category stuff. Like it, yeah. it's no longer it's no longer early. We are well over the halfway point. We are closer to the two thirds points than we are to the halfway point at this point. That was a lot of points. Uh, but yeah, Yennier Cano, Cano is absolutely somebody I'm rostering, not over like an, a legitimate closer or a legitimate ace, but over back end starters and over guys who you're just hoping to get saves. The Justin Lawrence's of the world. All due respect.
2: Give me the guinea Can- canoes over those guys. He's faced 175 batters and issued six walks. That's like, crazy. You love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just to help you with the raid stats and you know, he's going to get some saves here and there. He's got four already. It's true. Um, Felix Bautista will, will need some nights off. And I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a, a, a useful fantasy arm down the stretch, even in, in non holds leagues. He's, he's look tremendous real quick. Uh, I so wanted to say this yeah. year.
1: I wanted to say something about uh, Felix Bautista. Uh, I had a chance to see that guy in person not long ago. That is a massive human being. Like mountain. uh, Absolute mountain of a man. Like he needs to change names with Bryce Montez de Oca because Montez de Oca means mountain of geese. Felix is the mountain of geese, man. That is the absolute largest pitcher. that. And Kenley Jansen, you know, the comps to him have been forever. That's a big dude, too. Uh, is the guy that I wanted my fourth spot for for my NBA lineup. That I want that guy banging against those guys to grab me some rebounds. I just had to bring up that's one of the largest human beings I've ever seen in person. And now I will let you talk about Andrew Rabbit.
2: I will make him an, an edge rusher too. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Andrew Rabbit, you brought up what a rise for for him. And I was locked into that start that he made on on Thursday afternoon against the Giants. Just had it on while I was working and. He looked great. Like it wasn't like the best stuff that I've seen from him, but just super comfortable and and absolutely cruised. It was against that Giants lineup which is, you know, easy to navigate, but 8 right. scoreless innings, only one hit allowed, two walks, six strikeouts on 106 pitches. Um 106 pitches for 8 innings is, is pretty good in modern baseball. He actually got a standing ovation After uh, the seventh inning ended, everyone just assumed he was done, but came back out for the eighth and went one, two, three, I think on eight total pitches uh, to get a second standing ovation. And then his day was finally over. (laughs) Um, Abbott now has a a 2.10 ERA, a 0.92 whip, 57 to 18 strikeout to walk ratio through his first 55 and two thirds, major league innings, a five and two record in nine starts for, A Reds team that hasn't been great out of the All-Star break, but is is certainly a young team on the rise. Um, Abbott had, like, one ugly outing. It was at Milwaukee earlier this month, like, the beginning of July. Uh, But everything else has been dominant. He had a 12-strikeout game against the Padres, um, also pitched into the eighth inning of that one. He's passing the eye test for me um, in terms of, like, a guy that looks like he belongs uh, the command has consistently improved since he was taken in the second round of the 2021 draft out of the University of Virginia. Um, just, you know, the, the, the command, the strikeouts now at age 24, throwing from the left side. His, his fastball only averages about 93 miles per hour, but his sweeper is excellent. That, that buzzword, the sweeper, but he throws a really good one, uh, a curve and change up as well. He has the pitch mix and the control to be a really effective major league starter long-term and and heck he's doing it right now um gets a sort of revenge start against the brewers early next week who beat him up uh, in early july and looks like that'd be tuesday facing off against corbin burns that's a Mm. marquee nl central matchup as far as nl central matchups
1: (laughs) um not to toot my own horn i did recommend abbott fairly early on in the process here and i have been um, you know, I'm, I'm good at this sometimes, sometimes I'm not real proud of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. There's a lot to like about him. It's, it's not the most elite stuff, but he commands yeah. it so well. And it's, um, to use another podcast's name, it's effectively wild too, at times, like he, he will miss his spots, but he has so much movement on those offerings that it doesn't matter. And he knows that you're going to chase. Hitters chase. It's 2023. There are a lot of hitters that are willing to go expand the strike zone. That's existed forever. But I've been really impressed with what Abbott's done. That I wish he had a different home park. Just uh, it would just be nice if he was playing in uh, Yellowstone instead of Great American Ballpark. But that's totally. I'm totally fine uh, with the fact that he's going to give me. Um, success more often than not. You just have to be prepared to take some homers with it. Uh, another young starter that I wanted to profile, and it's another Mariner. Thanks for doing a pitcher one, because if we did a hitter one, Drew, we would not be talking a lot of young Seattle yep. Mariner talents. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for you, there's not a lot of St. Louis young starters that we want to profile uh, as well. Um, That's but, the truth. By the way, we keep hearing a lot of talk about the Cardinals and Mariners talking about trade stuff. I'm very curious to see um jordan walker for prelander borough is going to be a really interesting trade and i can't wait to have you on to talk about it afterwards yeah that's wow me. interesting. <laughs> yeah i want to talk about bryce miller who look if you take a look I, at bryce yeah, well
2: miller. hey I, I want bryce miller
1: for, yeah. i mean we could we can match up on a trade for that i think we could match up on a trade there but you cannot have him like you take a look at bryce miller's era of 3.5 and that's certainly good it's not a bad era whatsoever Let's take away two games against the Yankees and the Rangers, where he gave up 15 of his 27 runs. 15 of his 27 runs this year came in two starts against, at a time, a good Yankee lineup. Well, not good, but certainly better because they had that Aaron Judge guy playing and one of the best lineups in baseball in the Rangers. His fastball spin is in the 98th percentile, which, look, that, that's impressive, again, altogether. It's a four-seamer. There are not a lot of people who have that kind of fastball spin with their four-seam fastball, and you'll watch Miller pitch, and you'll be like, why is this guy just throwing the ball down the middle of the plate? It doesn't matter where you throw it. You can't pick it up. There's just so much spin, and it's hard to hit, and it's hard to make hard contact against. The savant page suggests that there's been a little bit of fortune with him. Um, His average exit velocity is well below average in the 11th percentile. He does give up some hard contact here and there. He will... Get some barrels as well, but he throws strikes. He pounds the strike zone, which is kind of surprising. It was not the profile he necessarily showed in Double A, but he has so much movement on his offerings. I've been extremely impressed with Miller, and the nice thing about Miller is too. Uh, I wanted to mention Brian Wu uh, kind of in this section as well, who I think has been excellent. Yeah. Brian Wu is all but assuredly going to be shut down very soon. He has never thrown before this year more than. 57 innings in any season and that includes college so you're asking him to double what he's done is basically right and that's only going to be 114 innings and already at 82 it doesn't sound like Bryce Miller's getting the shutdown too soon here which is big because you're going to have him in the lineup I'm going to focus just so everybody knows on a pitcher that did get the shutdown and why uh we're going to be talking about him that's uh that's a little bit of a tease that we're going to be talking about that guy but Bryce Miller has been really impressive Has a decent defense behind him. I wish that the offense was better so you could be more talking about the win chances, but outside of two absolute stinkers, he's been as good as any young starter in baseball.
2: It's the uh, underperforming twins offense uh, next. That'll be on Wednesday. It looks like unless he's a member of the Cardinals at, at, that, at that point, which <laughs> will then I'll be, I'll be very happy. Um, I think it's speaking of Cardinals, they're playing the Cubs right now. And I think it's worth discussing advert as yeah, um, who has quickly emerged as the Cubs closer and a pretty good one at that got another save Friday afternoon against the Cardinals, his fourth or fifth save so far in July. I think he blew one just before the break, but, um, overall a 2.57 ERA, 46 strikeouts to only seven walks in 42 innings this season, eight total saves and, a lot of those coming in the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is a former top 100 prospect, you know He was in the 2019 Futures Game um, when he was coming through the Cubs system as a starting pitching prospect, and maybe they will try the starting thing with him again. He's been okay as a starter in spurts, but this role right now that he's in seems to really be suiting Asli. And and even if the Cubs like might ship off some parts at the trade deadline. He will not be part of that. He's still in his pre-arbitration years. They've been patient, you know, h- hoping that he'd round into this really effective pitcher that, you know, that he is now in this relief role. Um, so the ball's going to keep going to him in safe situations down the stretch. I, I feel confident in that. And everything, you know, looks great. That slider and that four-seamer and the sinker. Um, he's he's something close to a top ten reliever already by a lot of good like real life metrics. Not top ten in fantasy because he hasn't really just had the opportunity to rack up save chances. But I think over the next two months, with getting save chances and and if he keeps pitching like he has with the command, um, and the strikeouts, I think he could wind up being you know sort of a like a league winning reliever down the stretch. I, I he's 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 looked that good to me, which is cool because it's it's been a long. And kind of winding road for Azzalai.
1: Yeah, and that long and winding road is why I think that you're never gonna see him start again. Like you you have your comfort yeah. here. Um, certainly I think has the stuff to be a starter someday, but it's just probably easier to keep him in a role that you know he's shown success with and offers a little bit less stress. I think sometimes people forget that. There is stress for a reliever, by the way. You're getting up and down an awful lot. It's still an unnatural motion to throw a baseball overhand. It's not exactly the safest route, but it's the easiest way to get him at his maximum best. Um, Like that call a lot. I want to talk about Hunter Brown. And Hunter Brown, if we were doing this uh, three or four weeks ago, we might be talking about a much different uh, upside type of guy. He's really struggled so far in the month of July, uh, 12 into third innings. He's given up 24 hits. He's given up 12 runs. That's an 8.76 ERA. And he has uh, struck out. T- but that and this is what I want to say is why I'm still ups, uh, excited about him. In those 12 into a third innings, he struck out 21 batters and he's only walked three guys. All three of those walks coming against the Mariners on his final start before the All-Star break. I'm so impressed with this guy's stuff, Drew. Like, I think that you're going to take a look at that ERA and think, is this somebody to sell high on? He'd be somebody I'd be looking to add. He's a very important part of that Houston rotation now, um, which is what we kind of expect to do to injuries and stuff like that. And his swing and miss stuff, it's so palpable. Um Yes, there, is some, go, there are going to be some clunkers. Every single name that we've mentioned is going to have a few bad outings because of their youth and because maybe outside of yeni Cano, just because he throws so many dang strikes, maybe he can't have uh, those bad outings. But I'm sure reliever, l- l- reliever ERA is one of the most volatile categories you can possibly have. So that 1.53 can become 2.7 real quick but I'm just a massive fan of Hunter Brown. I like the fact that he's playing for Houston, who's going to give him plenty of win chances. And in the year of our Lord, 2023, win chances mean an awful lot in fantasy baseball. That's just the way it works. I'm sorry, folks. Someday we might get it changed. Drew and I are going to uh, do our very best to get the, the stout removed uh, at the next big fantasy summit. No, we're not. But we would, we would very much be in favor of signing any type of petition for anybody who does it but Hunter Brown's going to get those win chances. He's going to get those strikeouts. You take the risk of having a few starts like he's had in July, but I think the overall Hunter Brown experience is going to be a positive one.
2: He was a a very popular sleeper. He wasn't even a sleeper by the end of like fantasy draft season, because once it looked like he was going to be locked into that Houston rotation. And I'd say overall, He's been, you know, about what I, I would expect, like, yeah. you know, the the ERA isn't dominant, the whip's not dominant, but the strikeouts have been there and there've been good stretches and bad stretches. It's kind of what you would expect from a young starter, but overall, I, I, this is a, this has been a really good step forward kind of year for him. And I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to be having a lot of shares of Hunter Brown going into 2024. Sure. No doubt about that. Um, here's a a kind of an under the radar name, Steven Wilson, who's in a setup role right now with the Padres. Um, I don't think the Padres are going to sell or like do a lot of selling. They're what four games under 500, as we talk here on on Saturday afternoon, Uh, but playing a little bit better. And obviously with a ton of talent enough to maybe make a charge into the NL wildcard hunt, but would they consider trading Josh Hader like at a total high point for yeah. Hader, which is saying something because he's been great in a lot of years, but he's been really great this year and he's going to be a free agent? Um, I would bet the Padres are at least listening. Like maybe they feel like they can still get into the playoffs, but do they need Hader and is it worth risking just losing him to the free agent market? Um, I don't know. Robert Suarez is back. He was activated from the 68-day injury list uh, earlier this week. He missed the entire first half of the season after signing that big contract with the Padres to to return to San Diego over the winter. Um, You know, hopefully he's right. He might not be right. You know, he he had an arm injury, Uh, but then there's Steven Wilson too, like who, you know, isn't a well-known name to the more casual fan or even casual fantasy manager, but this year, a 2.70 ERA, 42 strikeouts, and 40 innings. He's given up only 23 hits. Um, he's finished three games, no saves yet, but if, if Hayter does get dealt, that could very well change, especially if the struggles that Robert Suarez had on his minor league rehab assignment carry over into his major league work. The Padres would need a reliable ninth-inning guy, and, and Wilson could be that guy. Um, uh, again, I, I think people are – I don't think people have like really been paying attention to how solid Steven Wilson has been, even going back to his rookie year last year Um, and that he could be a fit for more high, high leverage looks moving forward. It's not a name you need to go out and grab for sure, but just keep an eye out of if the, if those Josh Hader trade rumors fire up in the next 10 days, it might be a smart move for the Padres to do. I know they feel like if they could get into the playoffs, they could be a dangerous team, but they also have to be realistic. And um if they can get something for Hader, like some, some serious prospects, I think that they might do that.
1: I think so too. I'll just say that if, if AJ Preller, if you're listening to this and I know you are, i we, we know that you're a big fan of this podcast and we really appreciate mm-hmm. it. If you are trading Josh Hader, you better get some relief help with him too. Like I, go get your prospects and yeah. stuff like that, but get somebody who can help you this year as well. Because the National League wild card is a cesspool, Drew. Like, we've talked a lot (laughs) about the divisions being so bad. Like, that third wild card spot right now, heck, even the top two wild card spots right now, all due respect to your Arizona Diamondbacks who you've loved, they're starting to show some wear and tear. The Giants did have a seven-game winning streak, and they followed it up with a three-game losing streak. Cincinnati has played some flawed baseball. Like, you just take a look at the the last ten of, of these teams, Most of them are four and six or three and seven. There is a lot of opportunity here still for San Diego to get in. And once San Diego's in, they're as talented, in my opinion, as any team in baseball. Uh, One of those teams that is still in that wild card hunt is the Miami Marlins. And I think you might have heard this, Drew, that they sent down Yuri Perez. I just wanted to focus on Yuri Perez real quick. Mm -hmm. It stinks. I hate this situation so much. Uh, I understand it especially for a a 20-year-old who does not have a whole lot of innings worked in. But I still hate it because he he was pitching. Like, if you take away that absolute disaster of a two-thirds inning start, this guy's ERA was like 1.5 or something like that before that outing. And it's still pretty darn good. I'm absolutely still rostering Yuri Perez. Even if he comes back in a relief role, I'm still excited about Yuri Perez because of the rate stuff. And the rate stuff is going to matter more when Yuri Perez is up. He's going to be a huge helper in categories. And how many guys can you say that are available on the waiver wire, Drew, that have remotely the upside that Yuri Perez has, right? Like, it's it's a little bit the family guy, a boat's a boat, but the mystery box can be anything. You got the boat. Yuri Perez is your boat. Keep him on your bench. It stinks that you're going to have to wait a little while. It's not clear what the heck the Marlins plan is for this guy. They sent him down and he hasn't No, pitched. that's
2: the problem. That's that's, that's the yeah, hardest part about it.
1: Without question is that yeah. the fact that you don't know what's going to go on. But there's very little doubt in my mind that he's going to come up again, pitch, and pitch well. And if you have yeah. to wait two or three weeks, heck, if you have to wait until September – what are you getting over these next five weeks that can come anywhere close to what Yuri Perez can provide you?
2: Yep, I, I wanted to mention Zach Eflin in, in this list too. He's just been great for yep. the Rays, and you know credit credit to them for being aggressive over the winter and what was it a three year, forty million dollar contract, which is a big check for that Rays organization. Um, dominated the Orioles again on Friday. Yeah. Uh but I wor- I worry about like him running into a wall. This is a big increase in innings for him, you know, sure. operating as a, a a traditional starter after being more of a swing man and his you know his years in Philadelphia, especially his final year. I'd maybe consider like selling high on him in fantasy if you're in just a standard read redraft league. Michael Lorenzen's a similar story. Eflin getting a chance to work as a normal starter with the Tigers. He's got a 21 and a two-third scoreless inning streak right now. It's coming off his first career all-star nod, but Detroit is going to trade him. Um, They'll trade him to a contender, which is intriguing for fantasy purposes. Yeah. Um, But he's seen a big workload jump. Does he run into a wall at some point too? I I love what Eflin and Lorenzen have been doing, but um, they'd be more in probably the sell-high territory for me. That's um, rather a, than guys that are that I feel like are on the rise for the stretch run.
1: yeah I think that's a really good call with both of those guys both have provided plenty of value but unlike the guys that we just talked about they are more the sell high guys than the guys that you definitely want to have on your roster uh, let's talk about some Cy Young stuff Drew uh, I am kind of fascinated Drew posted the uh, odds here now look it's still July 22nd so there's time to go but normally and I could be wrong here I feel like we have a pretty prohibitive favorite in at least one of the leagues. Not this mm-hmm. year, Drew. There are a lot of guys here that are in striking distance according to the odds. Um, the American League and National League. I'll let you go over them just because this is uh this was your baby that you put together. But I am fascinated by how many arms are so close in this race.
2: Yeah, it, it is a pretty interesting discussion, and there's some names on here that we don't need to mention, but at, at the top. Because they're just not going to win it. But at the top in the American League right now, we have Garrett Cole at plus two twenty, Framber mm-hmm. Valdez at plus three thirty, Kevin Gosman at plus three eighty, Shane McClanahan at plus four hundred, Nathan Iavaldi at plus eight hundred, and then you get into some deep plays. Shohei Otani plus plus twenty five hundred, uh, Luis Castillo plus twenty five hundred, Sonny Gray plus nine thousand, and then it's a lot of nine thousands. Yeah. Um, I don't. I. I think that I would just go with. Garrett Cole here. Um, Shane McClanahan could do it, like if if he's fully healthy, um, and gets the strikeout total back to where it can be down the stretch, I I I would throw a dart at him. Kevin Gosman's just so solid too, though. I feel like he's he's like a really nice play at at plus three eighty. Um, you're right, man. Like this is gonna come down to the wire. I think this is the right four names. I don't think Iovaldi's gonna. Gonna get there, but I think Cole Valdez, Gosman, McClanahan. Which one would you take considering those odds? I, th- I feel like a goal at Cole at plus two twenty is actually kind of a nice value bet. It is a nice. are getting plus odds. Yes, yeah. I
1: would be looking to to be honest with you, sprinkle a little bit on all four of those guys because of the fact that I'm getting mm. plus odds. I like Gosman a lot, and I think the thing that might help Gosman, it shouldn't matter. But I do wonder if the fact that I could see the Yankees falling out of this thing, Drew. I do wonder, and I don't think Toronto flawed roster has been a bit of a disappointed offensively. I think they're a playoff team. And I think the fact that Gausman has been close a few years also plays into this factor a little bit as well. I would say this too, 25 to 1 for Shohei Otani and Luis Castillo is at the very least intriguing because... Look, Castillo, when he's been on, has been as good as anyone in baseball. And Otani's numbers, you take a look, have been phenomenal. And if the if the Angels are in this thing, and I really, even as a Seattle Mariner fan who wants the Mariners to make the playoffs so flipping bad. I want the Angels to be in playoff contention. I want Shohei Otani to get a chance to pitch in October. And if he's going to get a chance to pitch in October, you're going to see him on the mound an awful lot more than I think that we have so far, especially if you're the Angels and you're really not that concerned about what the long-term thing is if you don't think you're going to get this dude signed. By the way, stop asking. Shohei Otani's not getting traded. Shohei Otani, unless the Angels just absolutely fall apart, Shohei Otani is not getting traded. You do not trade the real baby you you don't do it it just doesn't happen
2: uh i'd rather it, have it could, it could curse the organization but they're gonna lose him anyway i don't it's a tough call man
1: uh it, it's, it's oh so I've, look
2: i personally
1: would go get the bag i would trade shohei otani and get whatever the heck i wanted like you can have whatever yeah. you want for shohei otani i personally would do it but there's the marketing they're, thing they're not
2: gonna do it they're yeah, not gonna they're do not it
1: gonna do it's it. not gonna happen i Hope I'm wrong, honestly, because then I can stop rooting for the Angels. It'll be it'll be nice for me not to uh, root for the Los Angeles Angels. But I think at 25 to 1 for both those guys, that's intriguing. Yeah. Sonny Gray at 90 to 1 was kind of appealing as well, but I think it really is down to these four. But all four of those guys, you can make such a good case for. Um, in the National League, Drew, uh, I'm looking yeah. at these odds as well. It is kind of
2: seem like it's a two-man race right now, but there's some mm-hmm. other guys who have a shot. Yeah, Zach Gallen plus two twenty is the the favorite right now. Spencer Strider at plus two fifty, Blake Snell plus four twenty five. He's been in a in a real groove lately. Yeah. Um, Logan Webb plus seven hundred. Justin Steele plus eighteen hundred. Uh, Clayton Kershaw plus twenty two hundred. Marcus Stroman plus twenty five hundred. Corbin Burns plus twenty five hundred. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Jesus Lizardo. I like to see his name on the list, but he's at plus four thousand. I. I'm all about Spencer Strider here, and I know that Zach Allen has been awesome, but I think at the end of the day, Strider's strikeouts—you mm-hmm. know—it's—it's a—it's a younger voting block, um, and he's got everything else too. Um, the ERA, I think, you you know, could be better, but the way that he has dominated batters. And and like, I mean, he just keep every time out, it seems like it's a it's a double digit strikeout game with Spencer Strider. I I think that's going to matter if he does that for the next two months. I I think it's going to be his award. Um, I'm surprised, actually, that he's not the favorite. Just the way that that the voters vote now, they can they factor in strikeouts, you know, more than than ERA Um, and. You know you gotta you gotta consider the entire picture, but I think the entire picture at, at the end of the season with Strider is going to be the NL Cy Young Award winner, unless there's some kind of injury. Yes, just uh for those of you who are listening that don't know what like plus
1: two twenty or plus eighteen hundred means, um if you're doing it fractionally it's like one point eight to one. So if you're plus two twenty, if you bet a hundred dollars, if that bet wins, you would win two hundred and twenty dollars. Just for those who uh. Yeah aren't familiar with that i think it can be a little bit confusing especially when you see the minuses like the minus 165 that get get real confusing but luckily nobody is that prohibitive of favorite do i like don't bet a
2: minus on an on an award yes no (laughs) unless
1: we get to like um like if ronald McCunia can give me like minus 115 i'd be kind of tempted to bet a little bit on that just because you know you know what there
2: was uh I was looking this up when I was when I was posting those odds. There's a prop on DraftKings I could pull it up really quickly, where you can bet Ronald Acuna to win the NL MVP or the field. Um, and if I could pull up, uh, here we go. Player awards. Sorry, this this, right, yeah, Ronald mm-hmm. Acuna. Ronald. So Ronald Acuna versus any other player for National League MVP. Acuna is minus minus five fifty, or any other player. Any other player is plus 390. Wow, like, I don't. I mean, if, if you're gonna sprinkle a little bit on any other player, you're hoping that Acuna gets hurt, which I don't like. That's
1: the thing. I'm live my I, life that way. I am knocking on so much wood right now that is not around because <laughs> we do not want that. But yeah. let's be honest, that would be the thing that you'd be betting on is unfortunately is or just a disaster yeah. of a second half, I guess is possible. But that guy has been so good and so talented that I can't imagine. Uh, I'll be curious yeah. to see. I'd be curious to see if there's a Carroll versus the field in No Rookie of the Year as well. Just just because you know he's been so good this year, and I'll I'll do respect to guys like Kodai Senga and a few other guys. I imagine he has. To there be is
2: a, there is a Carroll versus the field. Uh, a, so yeah, National League Rookie of the Year, Carroll to win it is minus five hundred. Any other player is plus three thirty. Yeah. You know, Ellie De La Cruz is at plus four hundred alone. Mm. um, that's, a, you know what, but like, if you look at the, the, the players that are behind them, it's going to be Carol or Cruz. It's going to be Carol. Yeah. Um, But I don't know maybe something happens to him because after that, it's Matt McLean at plus 3000 Francisco Alvarez at plus 3000 guys who are, or are not going to win it. So it's, I don't know if, yeah. if you're a, someone who's betting rooting for an injury, I'd put the plus 400 on led Cruz rather than any other player at plus three thirty.
1: And if you are somebody who's betting on an injury, please do not talk to me Uh, because we probably don't have a
2: whole heck of a lot in common, but it is who's going certain... to win it in the AL though. J- uh, oh. Josh Young, probably Masataka yeah. Yoshida, Gunnar yeah. Henderson. It's war yeah. really loves Gunnar Henderson.
1: They do. Yeah. I th- And I think that's ultimately, especially, and there will be a narrative too, of the fact that though, that barring a significant collapse, the. Orioles heck the Orioles are probably going to win the division to be honest with you. The the Rangers. What about division. the
2: Rangers though with
1: young? Yeah. I mean Yeah, I that's know. a good point. That's, that's a good that's point. A narrative too. Yeah, that'll be that is a really interesting one. Maybe we can talk about that on the next show what we would would like to look at for uh the Let's uh do that. that sounds like a plan. I love when a plan comes together. Real quick, uh yeah, Spencer Strider for sure. That would absolutely be what I would be laying my chips on. I, I love Blake Snell as a person, and I think that it's been awesome to see him strike out. I don't know if I'll ever trust Blake Snell. Like, he, it's just yeah. so hard. There's so many blips on the radar that can just absolutely destroy you. And I like Zach Allen a lot too, but I just think that the strikeouts are so good and with Strider and the fact that he is. I don't know a little bit better story. Maybe he gets the Cy Young the year. A lot of people think he should have won rookie of the year last year, Drew. A lot of people mm-hmm. believe that that should have been his award. Maybe this is his uh comeuppance. Uh, maybe that's a little bit of a weird word to say, but whatever. Uh, let's talk about some streamers for tomorrow before we close, Drew. Um, who do you like for uh Sunday? Uh, and can you actually give somebody a good player this time?
2: I know, I know. Um uh- yeah, Tyler Anderson gets the Pirates on Sunday. This one has to work uh, in Anaheim. <laughs> he hasn't been, he hasn't been close to the pitcher the Angels maybe thought they were getting when they signed him to that three-year contract over the winter. Had a two-five-seven ERA and eight innings last season with the Dodgers. He's had a five-point-one-seven ERA through eighty-seven innings here this season with the Angels. This is just typical Angels stuff, but he's pitched a lot better lately. Uh, the strikeout rate is up overall, facing an easy-to-navigate Pirates lineup. I think he gives you some ERA help, um, some strikeouts, and, and a good shot at a win. Tyler Anderson's my pick. Yeah, let's see if I can actually win one of these against you, Chris.
1: Uh, I, I think you might have a decent shot because I'm throwing a shot in the dark. I'm going to go with Luis Medina, and it uh, it's partially because I watched that guy pitch last Tuesday, and was very impressed with what I saw. Five and two-thirds innings of shutout baseball. Take a look at the overall numbers of a 5.79 ERA, and you're not going to be terribly impressed. But this was a guy who a lot of people thought was one of the most underrated and had as high of a ceiling for a starting pitching prospect as anybody when he was a member of the Yankees. Now, injury stuff. And the results so far this year for a very, 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 I don't know how many varies I could possibly say bad baseball team in the Oakland Athletics. I'm going to stop calling them A Midland. It's just not nice. And those players are trying their hard outs, baby. But I like Medina. And I think the Houston Astros lineup, while certainly better than Oakland's, is beatable. I think it is a team that oh, you yeah, can get the is. strikeout for. And uh, i he's coming off a really impressive start. And there have been just enough flashes of brilliance that, look, if you're somebody who likes to take risks like I am, why not give Medina a shot?
2: And it's at Oakland too. Yeah. Yep. I, I actually really like that play. Like a lot of foul territory. You're probably going to win again and yeah, well, whatever. Well, whatever, man, like you've got nothing going on. You have plenty
1: of time to update these, edit these and put it together. What we do, what we don't tell people is that drew actually goes in and manually edits every single podcast for Rotowire, And he's just looking for a little bit of a break and, yeah. uh,
2: i have to cut a lot of your nonsense you know, so it's, it's tedious it's tedious work uh
1: release the snyder cut release the chris crawford actual full podcast uh, that's gonna do it for us oh by the way real quick it's not gonna do it for us go see barbie barbie is incredible it's one of the funniest movies i've seen in a long time i wanted to do the barbenheimer uh double feature uh, I wasn't able to because I had a four and a six year old with me and they probably would oh. not enjoy three hours of a nuclear war movie directed by Christopher Nolan. But I'm going to go see that on uh, the IMAX screen at the Pacific Science Center because I need to see that on the biggest possible screen. But Drew, go see Barbie. It is hilarious. It features the funniest last line of a movie that i've ever seen in my entire life no spoilers just, dude I i'm not like gonna tell sp- you it's just like the, the last line it, it seems perfect.
2: actually hard to spoil a, a barbie movie but yeah. i'm a big greta gerwig fan oh she's perfect um, I'm, she doesn't yeah, miss so i'm, I'm, she I'm doesn't, gonna go see it she sure. doesn't miss
1: by the way she's writing the snow white movie right now for uh disney so that should be very interesting as well so it's okay get, for- get
2: that bag greta get that
1: bag Uh, Real quick, since somebody asked uh, their daughter's eight years old, is it okay to take your daughter to see Barbie? Yeah, I think so. There's some innuendo stuff, and there's going to be some um, gender stuff that probably goes over her head. I don't want to – your daughter might be a genius. I could just tell you my six- and four-year-old nieces didn't understand what was going on in terms of that as well. But it's beautiful. It's funny. It's mostly clean fun. There's just a couple of spots. Um, I turned this into a movie review podcast and I knew I would do it someday. Uh, Thanks so much for everybody who's been listening. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Drew is reluctantly at Drew Silve. Rate and review the show if you like what you're hearing. Hit that subscribe button as well. And make sure you check out every single day a new episode from World of Wire and their Fantasy Baseball podcast. It's been fun. Me and Ryan will be back tomorrow. See you guys soon.